Little things mean a lot, and appearances do matter. Do you agree? Yeah. Uh, Being a fan of Disney World, I've come to know that there's one place in Disney that is spick and span and always clean because they believe that when this place or this facility is top-notch, that it affects the guest's interaction and how the guest feels about the rest of the park. And this thing is always clean and always perfect. Anyone guess the room? Say it. Restroom. Disney insists that the restrooms are kept in top-notch shape because how guests perceive the rest of the park is based on that. Just like if you have a messy room, make the bed and the room seems what? Better. Little things mean a lot. Washed off the windshield of my car, went to the gas station, cleaned it off perfectly until a bug splattered. You know, right where? Right where I'm sitting? Ever had that happen to you? Little things mean a lot. And isn't it true for us that we have a meal? But like little things mean a lot. Like I, like I always like sunflower seeds in my salad. If that's not there, it's not quite so. Or maybe if there's not the right amount of oregano and pizza, it just doesn't taste right. Little things mean what? A lot and appearances do matter. I enjoy traveling, traveling down the interstate. And once in a while I come by a rest area and they'll have a sign there that says, we now have state highway patrol and policemen watching this. Guess what I do? What's going on that you need to have highway patrolmen and police officers at that rest area? No, thank you. So I go down to the next McDonald's, all right? Usually the restrooms are clean. Little things mean a lot, and appearances what? Do matter. Friends in Christ, it says that when a visitor comes to our church, that within the first 10 minutes they'll decide this. What is it? Say it. Will they come back? Appearances and little things do matter. First impressions do matter. Little things mean a lot. And I get 10% for Hallmark for saying that with you. No, I'm just kidding, okay? So, little things and appearances do matter. And style does matter. For example, if you're involved in a sport that has these, and some of you are, ice skating. There's judges there who ice skate themselves and watch hours of ice skating, and you don't get, you don't beat someone in a race, and you're not stronger and pin them, but you're judged on your style. And they even have a technical and artistic points. The same with gymnastics. Anyone know a perfect score in gymnastics? Ten. Ten. And dog shows? We do have some members who are really into showing their dogs. If it's a correct breed, little things and appearances do matter as well as in equestrian or horse shows. How a person jumps in the way that they do things does matter in sports. <laughs> style does matter. And so our Lord says this. Can you read it to me? Because style matters to God. I speak in the tongue of men and angels, but have not If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and have not love, I gain nothing. And to our Lord, whether you know it all, whether you are correct, to our Lord, even if you're willing uh, to give away your possessions, but you have not love, then you are nothing more than the gong in the gong show. You are nothing more than a blowhard if I do not have love for my neighbor. A person who says that they love God and they don't love their neighbor, they're not being honest. Paul says, if I do all this good stuff, if I can predict the future, and if I know it all, but I don't have love, I am really nothing at all. Because style does matter to God. And so, Mary took a pint jar of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped it with her hair. And 2,000 years later, we still celebrate that. We still commemorate that. And let me give the background to the story. And so 
Jesus was eating with the Pharisees, and when you ate with the Pharisees, you sat in order of rank. And when Jesus came in to sit with the feet, eat with the Pharisees, they didn't even offer him water. They didn't even offer to wash his feet because they wore sandals. It was dusty and dirty. And they didn't even introduce him. They sort of embarrassed Jesus. But here comes Mary, a lady who has a promiscuous past, a lady who is known for not being the best of all women. And here she comes, and in style, she takes out expensive perfume, pours it on our Lord's feet, washes and adores it, and then she wipes it with her own hair, and that style does matter, and we commemorate it all the way 2,000 years later. Style does matter. Appearances do matter. That's a great act of love and devotion. She repented and received grace. Now, Judas Iscariot was there, and Judas objected. Judas Iscariot is someone like a Lutheran. What are we doing with spending all this money? Why wasn't this perfume sold, the money given to the poor? Liar, liar, pants on fire, Judas, you don't care about the poor. You only care about your what? Your own pocket? It's worth a worth of year's wages. You weren't giving it to the poor, Judas. You only care about your own pocket. But yet, style does matter. And even the style of Judas' words do matter. You're not being honest. But Mary, her style of loving our Lord with expensive perfume, a year's worth of salary meant much. And so in the movie, We Were Soldiers, have you seen it? About 20 years old. I see some heads nodding. So Mel Gibson, and it's about America's first military interaction with the Vietnam, inside Vietnam. And there, the Vietnamese, the defeat of the French, and the Americans are called in. And there's a battalion, there's a company, and, and this battalion and company lives on base with their wives and, and their children. And there, they are sent away in an expeditionary force to stem the Vietnam, to, expend, to, 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 to curb communism. And I don't want to get into the politics of it all. But then they're into battle, and when men fight in battle, men what? Die. And there on the left, if you see, there's pictures of Western Union telegrams. Because when soldiers died back then, how was the family notified? A telegram came. Now, I know maybe your parents or your grandparents, your great-grandparents experienced World War II, and if you lived in defiance during that time and you saw someone from Western Union or the post office come and maybe they had a clergy person with them, they're coming to your door, you know what happened? Something bad happened. And so here, on that military base, here comes the Western Union guy, and he has a stack full of notes, and everybody knows what that means. And he's fumbling around, he gets chastised by a wife and a mother, what are you doing? He says, I really, I'm really not good at this. And so the women on base, they organized themselves, and they told Western Union, send it to us, that we might go and tell the women and the wives the bad news. Your husband died in battle. Your children have no father. The style did matter because they did it how? In love. It was a soft word. It's never good to come to the door at that news, but they did it in softly. It wasn't hard. It wasn't cruel. It wasn't cold. They did it in love. And so read these with me. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. Love is soft, like a pillow, like my puppy's chew toy like my son's hat. It's love. It's expensive perfume on feet when somebody else ignored me. Love is all that, not self-seeking. Oh, by the way, if I have not love, then you're a blowhard and a gang, and a, and a gong on the gong show. So our Lord says. So style does matter in the words we use. And so I went and picked out like 10 different Bible passages on the softness of words that we use in love. Read that with me. 
speak the truth in love. Notice truth and love are not opposites. One of the great lies in American society is that if you disagree with me, you mustn't love me. If you love me, you're going to agree with me no matter what I do. Let me say it again. One of the great lies in American society is that if you love me, you can't disagree with me. Oh, it's okay, I can disagree with you and still love you. You can disagree with me and still love me. And just because you disagree with me doesn't mean you love me. doesn't mean that you don't love me. Many times you might love me and, and say, I disagree with you because what you're doing is not right. But love rejoices in the what? Speak the truth in love. Love rejoices in the truth. Speak the truth in love. Read that. I went to doxology and our, our presenter was saying that she got a ticket and she was using an example and she said that when the, the patrolman walked away, the patrolman looked at her and smiled and said, have a nice day. And so she said the same, have a nice day too, after she got a what? That's not from personal experience, okay? <laughs> that is her story, all right? Okay, um, read this. And there are times in my ministry that I'm in the ICU I'm in a consultation room, or I'm in a hospital room where they're going to unplug life, life support because the person's not going to make it. Uh, their body, nature's taken over. And friends in Christ, what I want to point out is I've never seen a time when a doctor or nurse has brought some very devastating news, very life-changing news, that they haven't been kind. And these people are scientists. They're, they're research. They deal with numbers. Gentle words are a tree of life. They've always been very tactful and to the point. Read some more. The fruit, read it with me. Fruit of the Spirit is peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, and gentleness. She opens her mouth, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. King Solomon, many times, he speaks in coded language. So many times in Proverbs, when it talks about her or the feminine, it really means Christ. So let's change the feminine to Christ. Christ opens his mouth and the teaching of kindness is on his tongue. Solomon does that a lot. He sees Christ in the feminine there. Can we read this? And so my daughter, she teaches in Lansing, and there's some members of her church that have been very kind to her, and they raise bees. And so about every other month they have to go and collect the honey, and once in a while they ask my daughter to come along, and so they scrape the honey off, and they put it in jars, and they give it to teachers and pastors, and my daughter usually brings home a jar or two, but it's really sweet. And do you know that honey is also restorative? It's, it's, it's very healthy for the body. Um, when we were in vacation in Costa Mayo, Mexico, we went to visit the Mayans, and there, there's a Mayan village there, and the Mayans, they also raised honey and had really little bees. I mean, there's really small things. I almost thought they were gnats, but, but that's in southern Mexico. And they have really good honey, and they were saying how restorative it was. If you have high blood pressure or cholesterol, or maybe you have some issues with your eyes. Now, of course, the honey was very expensive, but no doubt honey is restorative. Um, it's a blessing to both the heart and the soul. Kind words are like what? Honey. Sweet, restorative. Sweet to the soul and healthy to the body. Even Solomon said that. And so the young pastor, Timothy, Paul's mentoring and teaching is that as a pastor, all seasoned with what? Kindness and love. Be soft. Carry a pillow. Uh, leave the container of nails at home. Leave the sharp knife. All seasoned with kindness and love. Treat elders with what? And widows with much like the women and we were soldiers. Why widows with respect is they, they didn't have any s social safety net. They had to provide for others. And also, take care of one's family. 
The Bible says this, if one doesn't take care of one's own Christian family, they ought not to be taking care of some, someone else. The highest good is to take care of the family that God has given to you. St. Paul writes this, a husband must be, a, a, a man must be a husband of one wife and must manage his own family. If he can't manage his own family, then how can he manage the what? The church. So take care of your families and see believers as part of your family as well. Martin Luther wisely writes this. Can you read it with me? Now, if you're not familiar with that terminology, blood, family, is thicker than non-family. There's truth in that. Even St. Paul brings that out, taking care of family. But then he says this, faith is thicker than blood. Because if you're like me, I have relatives who don't believe. I have relatives who don't share the same values. I have relatives who think differently about God and right and wrong and the commandments. Do you? I still love them. They still love me. But you, family of believers, in many ways are thicker than blood because we spend eternity together. You're an extended family to me. You're a unique family to me. Blood is thicker than water and faith is thicker than blood. And so now to the second part of my sermon, substance does matter as well. Read the verse with me. Love and truth are not opposites. Um, in American society, we see truth as being sharp, like nails and knives and scissors, and love being soft. But, but truth and love, they complement each other. Um, there's still such a thing as right and wrong and true and false. Two plus two is still four. God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is the only God. There is true and false in our world yet today. Even though in America, it seems like what's wrong is becoming what's right, and what's false, it seems to becoming what's true. There still is such a thing. And so, truth can be painful. In the doctor's office, we took the blood test, it's painful. Maybe somebody lovingly shares with you the situation, it's very painful. Truth, truth in itself is always going to be painful. So painful, sometimes I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to realize it. Truth is very painful. How painful is it? Well, Jesus spoke the truth. He claimed to be the truth. He preached the truth. He taught the truth. He loved in truth, and he still ended up where? Truth is painful. Truth many times can be painful, but still truthful. Jesus confronts the Pharisees' self-righteousness. The twin towers of Jesus are love and justice. Do we treat people fairly? Have we heard people out equally? Are people being oppressed unfairly? Then we need to speak out against it. Is truth being suppressed? Are lies being supported? We need to speak out on that. <coughs> truth is godly. Truth is good. Um, this is somewhat of an interesting book, and if you haven't read it, um, some parishioners have come to my office and read it. It's called Toxic Charity. How Truth and Charities Hurt Those They Help and How to Reverse It. What do you mean by that? Well, here's an example. If someone comes into the church and they're needy, and the church goes and we open up our, our vault and we hand them a $100 bill, do we really help them? Well, we might have. They might have had bills or they might go down to, uh, might go down to Kroger's and buy a couple cases of beer and a couple fifths of scotch. Right? Sometimes helping somebody could be harmful if we don't know what it's for, if we don't know what's going on in our life. Um, this is somewhat of a, a, very, it's a very difficult book to read. And the example they use, and I'll share the example with you, and there, there was a, a family that, that lived in poverty. It was, it was really hard and difficult. And um, so a Christian church decided, let's give them a very nice Christmas. 
And so they bought expensive gifts, and they found out the children, and they brought over bags full of gifts, and the mother and children were at the door, and they rejoiced with all those gifts. But the father was in the back bedroom, and the father was crying. And the father was crying because he couldn't provide for what? His children. And what turned out to seem to be a very good thing was someone very harmful. And, and what, what this book brings out is maybe instead of doing that, why not sell discounted, really good gifts like 90% off? If we know someone doesn't have a job, well, then they can come and work for us and they can help buy the gifts and that gives them some self-dignity and some self-respect. You see how charity can be toxic and harmful? It can be difficult. Um, I love what our clothes closet does. Why? Because we really sell, well, uh, we really sell clothes at a very reduced price. There's people who tell me that they even buy clothes with a tag still. What? It's a very godly thing to do. And by the way, ready for this, there's more important things in life than a free bag of clothes and a free bag of food. There's self-respect and there's dignity and there's integrity. And so last week when they advertised a bag of clothes for a buck, then people get to sort out and select and they feel like they contributed to it. And maybe if I work a little harder, I can get three bags next week or whatever. I say it's a food pantry. We do a wonderful food pantry. First of all, we pull from other resources and we give to the needy as our Lord called us. But I'll say this to people in the food pantry. If you have three bags of groceries and you're working really hard and there's two teenagers sitting in the backseat of someone you're bringing the groceries to, you know what I suggest you do? Get the teenagers and what? Bring them in and have them what? Carry that out. Well, they're receiving it. I like what the SHARE program did in Peoria, Illinois. The SHARE program served the needy in Peoria, Illinois, and every Saturday they brought in a semi-load of groceries. And they took out all the groceries, the people who need it, emptied out the truck, set up the tables in the warehouse, put all the food out, everybody got their portions, took it to their car, then they swept out the truck, they collapsed the tables, they swept out the warehouse they were in and locked the doors. People got what they needed, but they still get what? Contributed. So there's a sense of worth and well-being. Truth matters. Justice matters. Love in style and substance. How to help a person. Now, friends in Christ, if someone comes to the church office and says, I need 50 bucks, I'll say, what for? Did you, did you ask here? Did you ask there? Did you even ask a family member? Paul brings that up in 1 Timothy. Did you ask a family member to help you? Well, they don't have any. Well, then we, then we say, I have a medical bill. Give us your medical bill. We'll take care of it. I'll guarantee you, friends in Christ, that if a mother comes into our office and their kids sit in the car crying with an earache, I will take them to the pharmacist and pay the what? Pay the bill. I'm just not going to hand you a 50. It's not going to happen. Love in style and in justice and love in truth. Love in truth. St. Paul gives godly regulations for charity. Helping widow, being wise about the use of offerings, and responsibility to what? Those in need. Those in need. Okay? Christ dealt with Paul in style and substance. Paul was really arrogant and haughty. So God knocked him off his high horse. That's a style. Blinded him. That's a style. Then ministered to him and brought him sight and dealt with him with love and mercy. That affected his whole life. And substance. Paul, why are you persecuting me? My grace and mercy is for you. Paul's a godly example of being constantly molded. And I say this about us. Christ deals with you and I in style and substance. If God could do this with Paul, imagine what? He can do with us.
And as you heard in the children's message, the theme for our school and church this year is what? Making disciples for life in style and substance. Because we really are the lost sheep and coins who repented and were called back in style and substance. Shaped by word and sacrament, disciples with style and substance. Style and substance, our Lord loved us. So how about this for a closing thought? Can you all read it with me? And all God's people say...